0: Welcome to another episode of Scientology Fair Game. Hi, Mikey.
1: Hi, Lily. How are you today?
0: Good. I mean, uh, today, even though we're talking about uh, the name of our podcast, Scientology Fair Game, we don't always talk about Scientology, but Scientology-like... Stuff. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And we have two wonderful guests with us today. We do. Mike, you want to do the honors?
1: Yes, ma'am. We're very happy to welcome Nicole Norton and Becky Lovell, who are going to talk to us today about the Rama Institute for Applied Yogic Science and Technology. Nicole and Becky, it's lovely to have you with us. Yes, welcome. welcome.
2: Thank, Thank you Carol. so much.
3: We're so happy to be here. Thanks for having us.
1: Of course. You want to go through
0: the history here, uh, like how we know each other, but also what your roles were in in, in this organization.
2: So, for me, um, my name's Nicole. I work directly for Katie Griggs, also known as Guru Jagat, who is or was the head of Rama Yoga Institute. I was her personal assistant and the assistant to the chief of staff, Shebid Preet. Um, for about a year. And then after that, for about a year, I was the, um, the director, the manager for their flagship studio Mm -hmm. while still being manager. I still had a lot of ins and outs of everything else I was going on. I was still helping creating camps and workshops, and I still had my hand in everything else while still running the studio, so I was personal assistant for about a year, and then um, manager of the flagship studio for about a year before I left.
0: Yeah. And Becky, how did you guys connect you and Nicole?
3: I began talking to Nicole shortly after I had started this Instagram account where people could come forward anonymously, mm-hmm. if they wished, or you know stick their name on it if they wanted, um, with their experiences, uh, either working for these people or participating in trainings, coming to classes as students, um, whatever the capacity. I noticed a lot of people were having their stories um, erased from common sections online. They were occasionally posting stories in communities related to this type of yoga. Um, But I I started that Instagram account and Nicole sent me a voice message a few days later, very similar to the one she sent both of you. Um, and I was so taken by how, um, she, how how grateful she said she was that this, this existed and mm-hmm. how I, I could tell she was really still in the thick of it and still processing what had happened to her. So for me, that was like, wow, this is, this is so much more um, urgent than, than I realized it was. I didn't know to what extent people were suffering that were still trying to um, grapple with, with their experiences with these people. So we got on a phone call. I think we talked for about three hours and she had a lot to say that just blew my mind. I didn't, I didn't, know um a lot about what was going on here at all, and she made it really clear that it was um yeah way more intense than i than I had thought, and she said that she um wanted to be on the back end of this account with me and um I realized that if we put our um different skill sets together and also used her her real experience. Being right at the center of all this mm-hmm. to help, um, you know, corroborate stories, reach out to people who had been involved—that was incredibly useful. And this would all be um, even more of a a service for for people who felt strongly about coming forward and owning their stories and what did happen to them.
0: And you two are advocates so that it doesn't happen again.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's not its not even just that it doesn't happen again in the Kundalini world. Mm-hmm. It's that it doesn't happen again in the yoga world. It doesn't happen again in other uh, spaces all around. Because cults like this can happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. It can happen in Hollywood. It can happen, uh, like it can literally happen anywhere and once you're, open and vulnerable and you're looking to create a better life for yourself, that's when things can come in and kind of ruin that. And that's when you get on that path. One of the things that I I hate that a lot of people will message us and DM us and be like, how stupid was I that I thought that I, I was like, that this was helping me or how stupid am I to be in a cult? And I take that as a direct defense because I'm not stupid. I'm not unintelligent but yet I was in it as well. So I think that one of the main messages that through this Instagram, one of the main messages through this Instagram that I really want to support is like this can literally happen to anybody at any point in their life.
3: Sure. For me, when I see these people being featured in magazines known for um, solid reporting and journalistic integrity, and I see... um, billion dollar publishing companies, releasing books by these people. And I'm saying by in air quotes because they may not even be written by them. Uh Um, This is how we render these people legitimate and their actions acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I know with Scientology, like when they became a, um, like tax exempt organization mm-hmm. that was that, that that you know gave Scientology a lot more legitimacy to the outside world, or maybe that's at least what was supposed to happen um, but you know things like this um when they go unchecked by organizations that exist to hold things to high standards, they're simply not doing the best they can um and I think that the people who um enable this every step of the way within these organizations are responsible and should be held responsible just as much as the folks, um, within these cults who are uh, abusing people.
2: I had sleep deprivation. I had like just all of the other things and I've seen slash heard physical abuse. I personally didn't have it, but I was around all that. So for Becky to be completely on the fringe and have an inkling that this is wrong, I couldn't let somebody do that by themselves, not knowing the depth of how much abuse really goes on. And then also being there for the people that are bringing their stories to this account, not to say that I'm like the person to validate their experience, but just as you guys Heard me and saw me, I wanted to give that to them. Right. We've been working on this Rama wrong account. And through that account, we found out from some very, very reliable sources that one of the main people, his name is Hari Jeevan, aka Steve. When he was in jail for fraud, um, he learned about Scientology and uh, yeah, and used that kind of as with his knowledge with Yogi Bhajan, which I'm sure we'll get into. He used that kind of as a blueprint for what he's currently doing and to kind of start his own version of a cult. Mm-hmm. So when I found that out, I things just started clicking in my head. And I personally reached out to Leah and Mike through their Instagram accounts in a blubbery mess, just kind of realizing and connecting all the dots and how Scientology kind of worked its way into what I was learning with Kundalini and Mm -hmm. lo and behold, you guys got back to me, which I'm still shocked about, but I could not be more grateful for you guys.
0: Oh, thank you.
2: Thank you you for
0: reaching out to us and, and, you know, trusting us.
2: Yes, exactly. Oh my goodness. Just the fact that like I was heard and seen was Mm -hmm. just such a big deal. And then a few months later and now we're here. Like I, it's just inconceivable. (laughs) It's just, I'm just so grateful and so beyond every time I even think that this is happening. It's just, I'm so grateful for you guys. Yeah. So that's how we met.
0: All right. And so why don't we talk about the history and and your guys' history, how you guys came together? Um, I think we should start there.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, Becky, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure thing. Um so so I started this Instagram account but um I did that with an intention to um help facilitate something that was already going on. Just it was um it was already happening in a way that was really fragmented and not cohesive at all. Okay. And you know, when in activism, when you think about when you think about it, what's more effective, is it a person standing alone on a street corner with a sign or lots and lots of people, uh, not just assembling, not just sharing, but corroborating each other's accounts. Um, I, saw, I saw that there were a lot of people coming forward about abuse that they had um, experienced firsthand in this organization and in connected organizations that all um, have something to do with kundalini yoga Um, which is something that's marketed to um, a lot of people who are not necessarily even looking for a spiritual practice. It's, Mm -hmm. it's something that um, I, I would say a lot of like wellness people, yoga people, people who are exploring like any of those spaces and spaces related to those, they can sort of get, get wrapped up in this organization or parts of these organizations
0: so Becky but what is it like what are we talking about here just for people who know nothing about this or not you know watching the news or you know on these sites i mean what what is it
3: yeah so i would say a lot of what this is originated in the late 60s got a lot more solid in the early 70s uh-huh. as someone who went by um yogi Bhajan came to Canada and the United States from um
2: India
3: you know the east and yeah. he was credited then with bringing kundalini yoga to the west and he a lot of people were attracted to him and his style of teaching
0: mm-hmm.
3: um and providing teachings which i guess are like spiritual doctrine um and and he kind of um pulled people into his orbit using manipulative tactics and people got, um, kind of trapped in this way of living, but didn't necessarily recognize that they were trapped at all.
0: Well, that happens in any abusive uh, organization or cult, but what I, what, what I want to set up first is what is RAMA Institute for Applied Yoga Science and Technology? What does it promote that it is?
3: Wow. Nicole, would you like to? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can totally answer that. So you'll notice as we try to explain these things, like there's, there's a lot here. It's really, it's really um, near impossible to boil a lot of these points down in a way that's succinct um, and clear,
1: but. um, Well, we have the same problem with Scientology. No, no, (laughs) but we can,
3: we
0: can say what, what Scientology promotes itself as as a religious organization that will help you to uh, acknowledge your, your cause of your own life. You are the source of your own power. And Scientology sells that you have this bad part of your mind that only Scientology knows to unlock and free so that you could be more causative and not right and then eventually Scientology sells that you know you'll be able to have special powers that you'll be able to go into your next lifetime remembering everything you'll have full perceptions full memories your eternity you know you're 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 freeing up your eternity basically and so you know i could explain it in in those terms so nicole i mean why were you attracted to this what is this what was being sold to you
2: so Rama Institute for Applied Yogic Technologies is very much that. They believe that they are yoga, which kundalini is a part of like the overall yoga vinyasa and all these things, but kundalini by yogi Bhajan is more specific. So it's his teachings, his practices, his everything, everything that he ever wanted you to be that's. What this is so Rama is a stem from that. So Steve, aka Huddy Jivan, um, was one of Yogi Bhajan's followers. He was in one of the closer circles. He'll say he was like his right hand man, but I'm not entirely sure that's true.
3: Not entirely sure he's one of the the closest um, in one of the like inner circles. Period. It's up for debate. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So after Steve went to jail for fraud because of Yogi Bhajan and other fraudulent activities that they were doing, Yogi Bhajan dies. Steve needs something. He needs to be the center of attention. He's trying to figure out how he can make money in this Kundalini world because that's all he knows. So fast forward a couple of years, we're at Golden Bridge, which is one of the first places that Yogi Bhajan created, um, uh, like yoga institutes yoga centers mm-hmm. um and he's a teacher there and he's trying to find who he can who he can use who he who can be like the charismatic front person while he manages everything behind mm-hmm. a couple people he's he reached out to a couple people they're like you know get away from me and he found then katie griggs aka uh guru Jagat and he finds guru joss aka sarah so he gets these two people, Sarah can sing, Katie has the charisma. He gets Katie to then create Rama Yoga Institute. So now they have a location mm-hmm. where they can practice, they can gain more followers. And Katie is very vibrant, very Like I said, her her aura, as they would say, is like larger than life. Like she can hold space for a lot of people. So she's so very dynamic. People are just drawn to her. So Rama Yoga Institute for Applied Yoga or Rama Yoga Institute um, was basically designed so they have a place, like an actual location outside of 3HO, which is like the covering of Kundalini Yoga by Yogi Bhajan. So they're actually kind of like they're within 3HO but 3HO doesn't like them.
0: Oh, gotcha. And what what attracted you to this, Nicole?
2: That's a fun story. I mean, what attracts anybody to some to something that they want to like learn and grow? I was in a very vulnerable position in my life. I just turned 30. I quit my job. I didn't have a job lined up. Um, I just finished my 200 hours teacher training for yoga. So I knew of Kundalini, but I'd never practiced Kundalini. I had no idea who Katie was until she came into the Pilates studio that I was working at at the time. Um, On your very <laughs> last day. Yeah. Cosmic events. My very last day I was working there. I didn't have a job lined up. I was scared. I was vulnerable. I was searching to do more with my life. I wanted to be a part of yoga. I wanted to travel. I wanted to be super spiritual and have that be part of my everyday world. And then I had this person offering me a position where I could travel with her. I could learn new yogic technologies, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. um, yogic technologies. And I could dive deeper in self, growth and like Mm -hmm. I would have a mission on this planet versus just like wandering out there and have a nine to five job that I'm not happy with. So after I met her, um, my very last day, the very last class, she actually came in early, which she was always late and she was always on her phone. People that know her or knew her um, know she's always on her phone. She's always late. So she came in early. She wasn't on her phone. I looked at that as like fate. I need to tell this woman that who I kind of know who she is. I need to tell her that I'm not going to be working here anymore and maybe somehow I can work with her or she might know somebody or whatever. She asked me to come to a class. I went to a class and I was completely overwhelmed by it, Um, but it was still interesting to me. It was yoga. It was just different yoga. So I wasn't, I was very open-minded about the whole process.
0: was different about it i mean i don't know much about yoga if it's if, if it means sitting and being quiet i can't
1: do it <laughs> perhaps you can back up a bit nicole because i'm a complete dummy on this subject same what is it that like, like what's the attraction is it supposed to be it makes you feel physically calm and peaceful is it supposed to be mental stuff to make probably you both right clearer. What what is it? All of the above,
2: yeah, no, all of the above. Like anything you want it to be, they have a they have a meditation or a kriya or something for it. So anything you're looking for,
3: it's a real bombarding of the senses. It's it's there's really little room for you to continue to be exactly who you are when you continue doing these like practices over and over um, because it's so prescriptive. There's a lot of um, there's a lot to do to do it perfectly and little time to do anything else if you're doing all of those things.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. So in Scientology, there is this saying when someone new comes into Scientology, they say, oh, well, you know, I need help with X, Y or Z. And the pat answer is Scientology can help you with that. Is that kind of the same thing here? Absolutely. You come in and say, I'm stressed, or my knees are aching, or I can't talk to girls, or whatever. They'll say, oh, well, you're in the right place, because we've got an answer for that?
2: Absolutely. We have a kriya, we have a workshop, we have a camp. What's a kriya? So a kriya, in, in like a vinyasa yoga. So if you just think about yoga in general, you're thinking of like, going to a yoga studio, going through some asanas, some postures, maybe you do a little breath work, maybe you do a little meditation, but it's more flowing. In kundalini, it's not so much flowing, but what we would say is a sequence in yoga, they call it a kriya. So it's very similar where you have to do A, B, C, D in order perfectly as it's prescribed.
3: I and then it. do it a million times. Not really. But for a certain amount of minutes.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's what we would Got consider it. a Kriya. And you have to do it perfectly because if you don't do it perfectly, then you're not going to get it. But you don't know if you're actually doing it perfectly. It's messy.
0: But here's my thing. So, Nicole, I mean, obviously, this is not what, what people might be thinking. And, and and Becky, this is not you're going in for a yoga class. You come in with your mats and your little outfit and you have your water bottle and you do the little poses the dog down thing and the whatever <laughs> and that shit right so it's it's more it's, than that right
2: yeah it's a little bit it's, it's 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 familiar but different so it's familiar so you're bringing in your in this case it would be a sheepskin instead of your yoga mat
0: that's important change that's a big yeah. change
2: so it's a sheepskin because it's a white sheepskin that helps radiate your aura. That's part, that's part. That's a very basic description of why they use a sheepskin. Then you want to be fully clothed in white. You don't have to be, but you should be because you want to radiate your aura out and you want only positive things coming into you. And then on top of that, ideally, if you're like the perfect little yogi here, then you have your head wrapped in a turban, ideally a white, if not a light color turban. So you have men and women that are wearing all white, sitting cross-legged on their sheepskins with their tea in front of them, maybe a notebook, and have their head wrapped in a turban. Because that's supposed to help bring the energy straight down into your being. Which is terribly offensive. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the cultural appropriation of it all is just extensive.
0: But but at the time, because we we all could you know look back on it and go how how horrible because we we were in a, a, a cult as well, so we get that you know. But but this is seems like it's helping people. It's it's helping you, Nicole, Becky. Your involvement in this is what?
3: As for me, I was not um, I was not personally really involved in um, either three ho or Rama. I never actually went to a class at Rama in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was on mailing lists. Um, I noticed their social media presence. I, you know, kind of kept tabs on what was going on in yoga in general. Um, because I just, it was, it was pretty much as much as much as that. I just wanted to be kept in the loop and know about any workshops that would be interesting to me. Um, possibly just You know, engage with parts that worked for me and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. Um, But over time, I um, I did I did attend some Kundalini yoga classes Mm -hmm. and um, at at, you know different studios, and I did enjoy the way they made me feel very euphoric. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I googled around a bit and I started to uncover what. There's a lot more about online now, which is that there was an extensive, extensive um, history of abuse in kundalini yoga over the 70s, 80s, 90s and onward um, because a lot of people's behaviors take on like the personality of the cult in its entirety. A big part of what's going on right now in this whole space, this the larger conversation is Should this, you know, larger corporation that controls all of the for-profit and non-profit businesses that are um linked to yogi bhajan um should they be shut down or should they be held accountable? Who should be held accountable? Who Mm -hmm. who is actually responsible? Who's who's still um still alive? So there's a lot of um there's a lot of talk in yoga right now about what should be happening. And it's been interesting to see um, that, you know, since, since Rama has become a thing and, and kind of splintered off from this main larger organization or cult, um, a lot of the things that have happened at Rama mirror exactly what happened throughout the late 60s, 70s, 80s, and onward, right. um, just, just with different people.
0: So it's not just kind of this innocuous little yoga studio, right? Let's talk about what actually happens once somebody's fully indoctrinated into this this cult. Of course. What does it mean to be part of this?
2: So there's different levels. Um, And I'm not entirely familiar with Scientology in this aspect, but it may be similar. You can come and go and just come to a couple classes. That's great. But we are always pushing. We're always trying to sell you like, oh you are tired, come to this workshop. Oh, you were this, come to this, whatever. We have a workshop for that. We have a create, we have whatever for that. So once we get you to start coming to more and more and more, um and spending more and more and more we're telling you that you need this crystal you need this necklace you need this you need that Mm -hmm. So again, we're getting you to spend more and more and investing more time more energy And there's a lot of manipulation and rhetoric and word salads that kind of just confuse you and you feel like You're good because you just did this breathing um, Exercise and now you're a little high so you feel good and like whatever so You start coming to workshops and then you start wanting to go, this particular Rama is mainly females. So one thing that Yogi Bhajan did is he called himself an intersectional feminist. So he would put on women's camps. So Hari Jeevan and Guru Jagat wanted to capitalize on that. So they started putting together women's camps. So they start doing these camps. So now we got you going into the camp. So now you're spending a couple thousand dollars to go to this camp where we have you for an entire weekend and you're doing yoga from literally 3 a.m. Sadhana straight through to like 11, 12 o'clock at night, maybe even later if there's like a party or something going on at night. And then you have to wake up and do it all over again. Um, We have you at these camps. These camps are also comprised of, she has a three tier system for her women's programming. She has AWLS, Aquarian Women Leadership Program. Um, society. The use of the oh, word society gosh. always gets me, as does Institute. That's a whole nother thing. Um, Aquarian Women Leadership Society, where it's low, low, um, what's the word I'm looking for? you don't have to pay. It's like $50 a month or something like that, or 55, because they're always trying to manipulate the numbers. It's like $55 a month and you have online content and you get invited to the camp, but you need to pay to go to the camp. So you're getting that monthly and you have a community. So you're, you, you feel like you're part of this family. You feel like you're part of this community. These people get you, the people on the outside don't get this. Like it's, like in a spiritual um, elitism. You feel sure. like you're part of this. But to argue the point, what what's
0: wrong with people being part of something that they feel good in? Something they feel, you know, they're, they're willingly going, they're going to a weekend to get spiritual, get connected. Because people are going to say, that doesn't sound bad, right? I mean, a lot of us do like spiritual camps and stuff.
2: No, and I guess on the outside it, it's not bad. It's the rhetoric that's inside and for the people directly in it, they're having positive experiences and I can't deny that. I think it's more where the abuse comes from is behind the closed doors, even though it's not always closed doors. The abuse comes to the people like myself who are working day in and day out 24/7 who are on a 1099 but expected to work literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, mm-hmm. like me wanting to like teach a different yoga class or cause I'm on a 1099. So I'm, I'm contracted, right? I don't have a schedule. So me wanting to go teach a vinyasa class, or I was doing assistant work for somebody else at the time. If I was to leave, I was considered not devotional enough to my teacher. If mm-hmm. I didn't want to do something, I was considered not devotional enough. It just gets to um, it gets to a point where you're literally being broken down when you're inside. As a client, mm-hmm. the abuse comes through money, through trying to take as much as they possibly can from you.
0: Right, because you're constantly the followers are constantly encouraged to donate, not only increasing amount of time but money.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You were indoctrinated, just as most cults are—the us versus them mentality.
2: Hundred um, percent,
0: Nicole. You told us that there was screaming, blaming, a lot of pitting people against each other within the company, mm-hmm. um, and and controlling your whole life. Just you were like in the Seorg, like Mike was. These people just sound the same as parishioners. You know, being having to devote all of their time, over time, and money. Um, you're told what to eat, when to sleep, uh, who you could talk to, who you can see, uh,
1: you're sleep-deprived. Don't go to the doctors, psychiatrists are evil.
2: Yeah, no, because there's a meditation for whatever's ailing you, and it's it's your subconscious that, that's ailing you. Like, everything came down to your subconscious. It was always your fault, that something was going on and you needed to do this meditation to get rid of it. You need to come to this workshop to get rid of it or whatever. It was a very chaotic and disorganized way of working. Things were constantly changing. Events would pop up out of the blue and then you would get yelled at because you're waiting for information from them, but they're not giving you the information. And like, there was a lot of swearing all like, I just, I'm, so numb to people texting me in all capital letters at this point, because it was just so prevalent every in my day, every yes. day, every day. I was getting yelled at every day. I was getting screamed at, fuck you, fuck this. You're all fucking idiots. Like it's just every day. And a lot of it would be behind closed doors, but sure. some of it would be in the studio and people see it. Like
0: mm-hmm.
2: even people that are completely in it and they don't see it happening to them. They mm-hmm. see it happening to other people. Sure.
1: Yeah. That list of things, you, you mentioned that Hadijan or however you say his name, Hadijivan. Well, Jevan. Hadi <laughs> Steve. Steve had
0: studied
1: had studied Scientology when he was in prison. Yeah. And honestly, when when you recount, well, this is how they go about doing things, they offer you this, they tell you they've got the solution for that they keep you up all night they tell you what you can eat and not go to the doctor because the problem is your subconscious blah 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 this is this is Scientology 101 in different words mm-hmm. the words are just used differently the jargon of the 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 guru world is different than the jargon of the Scientology world but the concepts are basically identical
2: absolutely i would use dominated, like they dominated my space and time in a sense that they, like, I didn't have time to have a life outside of them. I didn't have like, everything I did was like thinking about what Her next move was so i could make sure she was the center of like she would even Mm -hmm. say this is the guru jacket show like everything's about me kind of thing which i understand to a degree especially being an assistant and like all these things so i was able i justified a lot of it but at the same Mm -hmm. time i didn't have time to sit there and contemplate it i didn't have time to think about the abuse and the harassment and all the stuff that was going on. Cause I'm Mm -hmm. getting text messages at one, two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, screaming and yelling that something didn't get it done. Right. I think my very first experience with them, a couple of them are very telling. So my very first week they were doing a show called, she has a reality riffing show. It's like her version of a podcast. Um, And that very first week, they wanted me to read a book called the Pleiadians. Now going back to what you're talking about, um, indoctrination. So the Pleiadians are an alien species that's supposed to be looking out for the humans on this planet, specifically in regards to the reptilians on this planet who are trying to, who are like in the government and they're trying to control and manipulate all the humans and like destroy the humans and make the humans their slaves. So the Pleiadians are the good ones, right? Mm -hmm. So in this book that I had to read, um, it kind of explained all of that and went over it. And then in her Reality Riffing episode, she also wanted to get a real human Palladian because the Palladians are on this earth walking around and they're supposed to be like humans, but you can kind of tell if it's really an alien. There are a lot of air quotes going on here for the listeners. (laughs) Um, so that was one of my first experiences. Now, keep in mind, I was never a fangirl. Most of the people that she hired to be with her had already known who she was. They were already like looking at her with rose colored glasses, especially Steve, because Steve was like her mentor, right? Who we also call the puppet master because everything had to go through him, which goes back to very interesting that she calls herself this huge feminist when she's really taking orders from a guy. But that was one of my first experiences is that I had to learn about these Palladians and the reptilian people. Mm -hmm. And then later on that week, I had my very first meeting with them. And one of the women was pregnant with her first child. And Katie just ripped into her. And I don't even remember what it was for. All I remember is that she was saying, You're a fucking idiot. Fuck you. How could you do this to me? Like a lot of very narcissistic. Mm -hmm. Verbiage abuse, abuse, yeah. Yeah. And like, keep in mind, this woman is pregnant, so it's just like you know, that all that is going to affect in some way, shape, or form, especially the nervous system for herself and the baby. And everybody just had their heads down in their phones or writing or taking notes or on the computer, like Mm -hmm. this was normal, Mm -hmm. it was just normalized. And I was so taken back, and I'm like, well, maybe there's something I don't get, maybe there's something. Something that I don't understand. So I always tried to justify it to some degree, but sure. still, I wasn't a fangirl. I was never a student of hers before I started working for her. So I still had this, this element of questioning. Right.
0: And then you left?
2: I was getting silenced. I It took me about a year to leave. I mm-hmm. I actually talked to, I had a a moment, there was a month where I was traveling with her January, 2019, I was traveling with her, her chief of staff, Shabit Preet, AKA Lily, um, and a couple other people. And we were traveling around and there was a moment when we were in Spain and well, first when we were in Paris, I didn't have juice in the fridge. So I got yelled at for not having juice in the fridge. Then I bought juice, put it in the fridge. And then I got yelled at because I'm clearly like attacking her and taking out my mommy issues on her because I bought too much juice. And now I'm trying to just spend all her money. So it was like this sense that there was nothing that I could ever do would be right. I was right. always wrong. It didn't matter. And it was always my fault I was wrong. Right. So it was just like that constant. So then we're in Spain because she has a studio in Spain. So we're on Mallorca in Spain and um, we we're there for like two weeks. And the very last day she got Furious with us because we didn't have somebody come clean her Airbnb when we were explicitly told, "Do not have anybody come to my Airbnb. This is my sanctuary. Do not have anybody come." And she is notorious for trashing places. Like she, everybody take. Like I did all her packing. I did like between the three of us. I should say, me, Sheba Preet, Hudman Joe, Lily, Ali. Um, the three of us would make sure that all her wants and needs were always taken care of. She didn't drive anywhere. She didn't like, she absolutely did nothing for herself. We were doing all of it, which I thought was normal. It's not, but I thought it was. So when this happened, I was just so taken back and like flabbergasted. Like you specifically said, you didn't want anybody there. And now you're yelling at us because you have candle wax all in the rug and you're going to get charged a cleaning fee for your Airbnb. So that night, we have a million and other things that we're working on because camp was right around the corner. So Lily and I are at our apartment with like five other people, people sleeping on beds, people sleeping on floors because she doesn't want to pay for us to sleep anywhere because we have an apartment. Okay, I get it. Um, Lily ends up staying t- up to like 3 o'clock in the morning when we had to get up at 4. I ended up staying up till like 2 um, because we had other – Stuff because we're there's always something happening, there's you, there's literally no stop, no chill, working right. weekends, working holidays, even though she says we're not going to. There's a lot of talk, but it's like constantly working, constantly in the thick of it, right? So that morning, we get up and we get to the airport early because we need to get her tickets. We need to make sure that when we get there, we immediately grab her luggage because her and her now husband, they're not responsible for touching their luggage. We have to carry their luggage. We have to do literally everything. Like she's an A-lister, all these things. So we're there waiting. And I I told Shabid Preet probably the night before, if not that morning, how much do you want to bet she changes her flight? Cause she doesn't want to wake up. Cause this is a consistent thing that would happen. We'd finally be able to book a flight for her, get yelled at for it being too expensive because it was a late time in booking the flight, and then finally book the flight for her. And then last minute, she'll cancel it or change it or whatever. She gave us a call. She said she wanted to sleep in, that we needed to cancel her flight and rebook her for the next one. So that kind of really got to me. And then once Shebad Preet and I landed, I believe is the Madrid airport, both of us, both of us went off. Mm -hmm. and we were tired. We're hungry. We're pissed off because now this woman is like taking advantage of our time and all these things. And I told Chippet Preet right then and there, I will not be, by the end of this year, I will not be here. But it literally took me till the end of 2019, December, to give them my notice. And that's only because I got in a car accident. And then my dad offered to have me move back home where I could like, have a job with him working at our family business. Thank God. Thank God. Exactly. Cause if, um, if I got another job or I applied to another job, it would be, you're not devotional enough. There's a lot of promises that would happen and it gets sucked in. Um, Lily Shabit quit. They say they don't fire. They don't hire, but they fired her three times and rehired her three times. And she, she has been in it for years and years mm-hmm. at this point. So like, even though she got out, she still got sucked back in. One of my mm-hmm. other colleagues, um, I won't say her name cause I'm not sure if she wants me to or not, but one of my other colleagues quit twice and they brought her back. Finally, she's out of it now, but just like with her, the only reason why I didn't get sucked back into it is because I physically moved out of this state.
0: Right. You needed. Yeah.
2: And even, even towards the end, when I'm, when they know I'm moving for my family, mm-hmm. I still was told I wasn't devotional enough in that this is my spiritual path. What are you doing? You're a disappointment. And then of course, not trusting me anymore because I'm no longer in that inner circle.
1: Let me ask you, if there is someone that's not in the position that you were in, like they're not uh, working full time in the Rama Institute, Mm -hmm. what do you want people to know? What are you trying to warn people about that they should be aware of what abuses, of what situation? What is it that, because there's not that many people, as I understand it, who are employees, so what do you want the general person that might walk into one of these yoga studios to know is going on here that they should be aware of? And to add on to what Mike said, I mean, you
0: have celebrity endorsing, you have Mm -hmm. celebrities endorsing uh, this organization. So, what do you want people to know?
3: I would say it can be boiled down the most um, by saying, People are taking away years of other people's lives here. Um, it's not just about people defrauding people with um, with a hunger for like Eastern spirituality and enlightenment. Um, it's not just about people fostering a culture of abuse and secrecy. Um, it's about people like getting their claws into other people and not letting them go. And when that happens and people finally do leave, they have all the wreckage to deal with. And we have more and more examples of of that happening now because of the account. Or rather, we can can see those examples. There is more and more proof.
0: Because people are speaking up.
3: Exactly. Mm -hmm. There's like a spiritual contract that you have to sign or you know, agree to when, when you, um, get on this path and you're not breaking that or breaking like something sacred that you have with your partner, if you do that for your teacher. Um, so I think like, as far as there, there are some things that, you know, they'll like move the goalposts and change up the teachings as they Mm -hmm. see fit.
2: Which they're currently
3: doing now. For the folks on the outside who are, who are considering, um, taking up yoga with a group like this, it may just appear to be a yoga school or lineage that is super legitimate and there's a lot there and it will, it will make you feel like a more, um, whole, like authentic version of yourself. But really as Nicole just described, there's like
2: so much more going on. For me, I I really I wish I would have asked more questions and I wish I would have followed my gut. I think that's that's one of the the things that I hear over and over again from people that DM the account is, well I I I felt that it wasn't good, but I they just told me all these things that I wanted to hear, so I believed them. Mm-hmm. So for me, I I felt it, I saw it, and I was still justifying it. So for me I w- I want people to question it and if if it's anything like it is with Rama they will either deny it they'll tell you they'll gaslight you they'll tell you you're crazy mm-hmm. um or they'll delete your comment they'll block mm-hmm. you they'll do whatever they need to do so that that those questions aren't being brought up and th- I mean there's your answer right there mm-hmm. um but for so many people they c- come into this and it's, it's free for them to go in and out. One of the things that I think that they're really good at is they, they make you seem like you're free but mm-hmm. you're not. They have you by your they they'll take your money from you cuz there's nothing that she can't do any of this or they, I should say, can't do any of this without the patrons, without the people, the donors, without the celebrity endorsements. Like mm-hmm. they can't do any of it without them. Yeah. So, I think one of the major things is like if you're not being physically, mentally or verbally abused, ask yourself are you being spiritually abused? Mm-hmm. Or is there something that's happening to you that feels off mm-hmm. or are you asking questions and they're scapegoating and they're like denying those questions or whatever? Cause then, then there's something going on that's much deeper for those that are currently in it. One of the main reasons why I realized that this was a cult after I got out of it, although so many people when i was in it were telling me that this is a cult i'm not going to listen to you i'm mm-hmm. in it like right,
0: right. i'm not going to listen yep. to
2: you yep. until i'm out so once it hit me when i was out that this was a cult it was really when when the the book came out and my friends are saying but the teachings i'm going to f- i'm going to trust in the teachings i don't need to follow the teacher i need to follow the teachings mhm but who created these teachings?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The
3: abuser right It's really um amazing to see when things change because of the work that every everyone's doing. People have been really great um, as far as lending support, mm-hmm. and um sometimes the the forces of good are not as loud as. The troll accounts, like mm-hmm. taking up comment sections, but yeah it's it's just interesting because real life and the internet are kind of the same thing at this point because of the pandemic um, and it's interesting to see how much of a role these companies' um, social media presence will play in exactly what is going on with them mm-hmm. so I really do think that the time is right for becoming more active on social media. Absolutely.
0: And listen, we're also going to add on the links to the articles that have been written about this. And yes, um, there there was a piece done on vice. So let, you know, like we're going
3: to have all that
0: on, on Mike's blog.
3: Great to spread those around. And
0: uh, yes. And the article and uh, the newest information uh, regarding this uh, organization called uh, yoga studio uh so listen uh nicole becky thank you so much for reaching out to us and for the work that you're doing
1: and thank and thank you for being so brave to speak up and stand up because that's not the easiest thing to do we really understand that and taking a stand and doing what you believe is right for the right reasons is a very very admirable thing and You both deserve great admiration for for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will continue to do. So thank Thank you you. on behalf of all the victims. Yes, and thank Thank you. You.
3: We look to folks like you for for, um, the energy that keeps us going. It really propels us to speak up and try to do what we know is the right thing. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Becky, and thank you, Nicole, and to all those who uh, will continue to fight this good rights here. And thank you all for listening. Until next time,
1: goodbye. Bye.